Welcome to Four Generations to Come, a podcast by Generations Church. We are a community of everyday people committed to expanding God's family together because of Jesus for generations to come. Whether you are re-listening to a Sunday teaching or listening to the playback because you weren't able to join us live during our Sunday gathering, we're excited to connect with you. We hope to see you this summer at our midweek meetups across the Northwest. You can also check out the playlist for the Songs We Sing series on our website or social media. Behind every song is a story, a personal story or the story of Scripture. What we sing shapes us. Whether it's the kid song in your head that you can't seem to shake, or the tune to which you cling when difficulty arises. The songs we sing during our gatherings remind us of who God is and what He has done, as well as who we are in Him. In our summer series, we take a look at the meaning behind the music to help us live our liturgy, so that our faith is an everyday faith. The songs we sing shape us. May they help us become more like Jesus. Enjoy today's teaching. About that. So all of those details are online, mygenerations.church. Go there, sign up, show up, and please share on social media and with friends and family. As I said a moment ago, we are continuing in our series, Songs That We Sing. But behind every song usually is a story. There's a meaning that comes out. The, the songs that we hear just on the radio, there's some sort of story behind them, some imagery that's trying to be communicated. Around generations, that's no different. The hymns, the songs that we sing have that same story. And sometimes we wonder where the lyrics come from. Why that lyric? Why that verse? Why that chorus? And for us as followers of Jesus, usually they are soaked in Scripture. And so we're looking at those Scriptures that have shaped some of these songs. And so today's teaching is going to come from Job. And I'm going to read Job 42, verses 1 through 6. Job's reply to the Lord at the end of this poetic book. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything, and no plan of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this who conceals my counsel with ignorance? Surely I spoke about things I did not understand, things too wondrous for me to know. And you said, listen now, and I will speak. When I question you, you will inform me. I had heard reports about you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I reject my words and am sorry for them. I am dust and ashes. Let's pray, and then Richard will come up and teach. God, you are good. This is an opportunity to rehear your word and about your goodness. As we process our life right now in our moment, as we bring our total selves here, speak through Richard. 
Help us hear what you want us to hear through him. Give him peace about what he is going to share. Give him clarity. May his mind and his thoughts and his words be exactly what you need us to hear. Thank you for your love and for your grace. Speak to us, O Lord. Help us listen. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Behind every song is a story, a personal story or the story of scripture, what we sing shapes us. The song in your head that you can't seem to shake or the, the tune you cling to when difficulty arises, the songs we sing remind us of who God is, what he has done, and who we are. This week we take a look at It Is Well and how the song shapes our soul during the ups and downs of life. How's your soul? How do you reach a point when you can say, it is well, in the highs and lows of life, and others take no? So there's a, a fascinating story behind this song. Um, I'm going to share that with, with you guys right now. And, um, the song was written by a man named Horatio Spafford, and I promise you, I clicked the little music thing on Google when I typed his name in so I could hear it about 50 times so that I could say it right just for right now. And I think I nailed it. <laughs> Horatio Spafford. Listen, hey, listen, Google's good, you know, every now and then. Um, but the man who wrote this, his name is Horatio Spafford, and he was, he was a successful lawyer and land investor. He was married and had five children in the late 1800s. But then life hit, and life hit hard. For Horatio and his family, he lost one of his children. And shortly after he lost his children, he wanted to kind of you know, plan a little pick-me-up trip, right? He thought if, if, if he could just take his, him and his family and just escape on a nice trip, that it would, it would help the grieving process. Um, and he lost everything, too. After he lost his child, shortly after, he lost everything in the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. And so he plans this trip, and he, he sends his family off ahead because he stayed back to, to try to sell some land and, and things like that. Um, and while the family is on their way to the trip, the boat actually gets in a collision with another boat, and the four daughters drown, and they don't make it. But his wife ends up surviving. She sends him a telegram, and it says, Saved alone, what shall I do? Horatio, after hearing this, immediately got on the next boat to go and be with his wife. And they came to the point of the trip where the boat that he was on crossed over the spot where the, the collision happened, and um, the captain, you know, announced over the intercom that this is where the, the crash took place. Um, and that's when Horatio went back into his cabin and is where it says that he wrote this, the hymn, It Is Well. And the story, you know, shortly after ends up uh, closing with Horatio and his wife end up having three more children, but lose one of those children to scarlet fever um, when it was young. Spafford could have never have written the song It Is Well without going through that experience himself. Life is unpredictable. It's always full of highs and fulls of lows, some that we see coming and some that we don't necessarily see coming. You know, we see, we see highs and lows and grief and loss happen in other people's lives. We see it happen in our own lives, and we see it happen in Scripture as well. I think that the, the story that sticks out for me the first story that kind of popped into my mind when I heard Horatio's story was the story of Job, 
right? Job was a man. He was faithful to God. He, he was super successful. He had, you know, a ton of land, a ton of livestock. He had a big, healthy family. And in a matter of moments, like Horatio's story, Job lost everything. It seemed like in a snap of a fingers, all his family, his land, his livestock was all gone. And life hit hard. And Job ends up, you know, seeing uh, physical, his physical health being affected as well. And the only thing that Job had left was his wife and his own life. So let's take a look at how we can handle and process loss and the lows of life. And how in the midst of all of that, we could still see God and his love for us in all of it. What's one of the first things that we do when we experience loss or we go through hardship? We ask why, right? Why did this happen? God, why did you let this happen? How could you let this happen? You know, and we start to question God. A lot of the times when we, when we do that, we question God, right? Because we, you know, God has infinite wisdom. He has a plan and everything. And so we go, God, why did you do this? And when we ask these questions, what we're really doing is we're questioning God's sovereignty, right? We're questioning, are you really fair and just? Are you really a loving God if you let these things happen? And we have to, you know, we end up being reminded that God's wisdom is above ours, that his ways are not our ways, that we might think we understand and know something, but God knows that thing on a much deeper and intimate and detailed level. And if we take a look back at the story of Job, right, Job was faithful. Even when everything happened, he, the first thing he did was drop to his knees and pray to God and praise God. But then he's got these friends that come along and try to, to reason with Job, right? And they, you know, Job struggles because he's wondering, why did this happen to me, right? If I'm such a blameless and innocent man, how could God do this to me? And his friends put that thought into his head and it grows bigger and bigger. You know, his friends are like, well, you had to have done something, right? There's some secret or something you're hiding that, that caused God to take this all away from you. And, and you know, Job just can't find anything. And he's like, there's nothing. I did nothing wrong. I did nothing. I'm innocent. I did not deserve this. And finally, Job ends up pleading one last time in chapter 31 his innocence, right? He goes, God, I did nothing. And he ends up getting to a point where he goes, he, he just straight asks God, he goes, explain yourself to me. Why, why did you do this? Which, okay. Hey, there's a line. You're flirting with it at this point, Job, right? Like, we've all been there, right? We, I've been there, right? I'm not saying, you know, I'm not, not saying nothing bad, but, but it's dangerous when we do that. He, he demands God. He says, why did you do this? Tell me what I did to deserve this, right? We're going to pause there. We'll jump back to it here in a second, so stay with me. When we experience grief or a loss, it feels like the e-brake was hit, right? We instantly come to a stop. And you get that super tight feeling when the seatbelt stops and jerks you. It's like, was I really supposed to save my life? Because you just broke my collarbone probably. <laughs> so it's like, it's like that, though. It's like a sudden stop, and you stop, and you don't know what to do next. And you wonder, how am I supposed to move on from this, right. right? So many times when someone has experienced loss or hardship, they go, what do I do now? I feel like my life is over. And sometimes it's easier said than done. For Spafford and his wife, they found comfort 
in knowing about God's infinite wisdom and leaning on that and finding peace and comfort from God. And we see that in some of the lyrics of the song, It Is Well. And it says in this verse, it says, Though Satan, Satan? (laughs) Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. There's comfort in both of these things. Comfort in knowing that Christ died for us, and because of that death that we get to spend eternity with him in heaven one day. Right? There's comfort in knowing that. And the second thing is there's comfort in God's wisdom. And this is where I'm going to pick back up with Joe, because we left him basically demanding to God explain yourself. Right? And he says, give me an explanation. He wanted God himself to do that. So God came to Job from a whirlwind, and for three chapters, God just really lets Job have it. I mean, just sticks it to him, right? One of those good ones where you're like, you're going to need some, some ice for that burn, okay? And I'm going to read, I'm going to pick it up, I'm going to read, uh, I'm going to start in chapter 38, and I'm just going to read verses 1 through 18, just to kind of give you guys a taste of what God gives them. I'm not going to read three chapters, I'm not... I don't want to be up here forever like Kyle is. So. <laughs> I promise, Kyle, that's the only jab I'm taking. I promise. I need some ice now. I'm up. I was going to say it, too. This is round one. I'm up here next week. Round two is next week. We'll see what happens then. But uh, I'm going to be in chapter 38. I'm going to read verses 1 through 18 for you guys. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, Who is that that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I said, when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me, if you understand, who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set on, or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together, and all the angels shouted for joy, Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick and darkness, when I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place, when I said, this far you may come and no farther is where your proud waves halt. Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place? That it might take the earth that it might take the earth by the edge and shake the wicked out of it. The earth takes shape like clay under a seal. Its features stand out like those of a garment. The wicked are denied their light, and their upraised arm is broken. Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all of this. I think we all kind of do what Job does, and we minimize God's wisdom at time. It happens, right? It's human nature, especially in time of grief and loss, when we aren't thinking straight, and we just don't know what to do next, and we don't understand why God does what he does. And it can be hard to answer that question, especially to, to someone who is hurting. But it only took 18 verses to see that God's wisdom is way, way, way above our own. 
You think of the most complex thing you know, and I, I like to think I know some things, right? <laughs> Maybe not a lot, but you get me on the right thing, I'll talk about it forever. And God knows that way more. Way more detailed and intimate than you can even comprehend. And now it's, we're probably wondering, you know, well, how is that supposed to give me peace when I just lost my mom or I just lost my child or we see another school get shot up? And we're like, how is God's wisdom supposed to give me peace? And it should give us peace because we know that God has a plan. We know that that plan is thought out well from beginning to end. And that the end goal of that plan is that we end up in heaven and spending eternity with him. Amen. That he's going to come back and take us home with him. Amen. That's what should give us peace. The pain of loss or of trial or grief can last a long time. And there's things that can trigger that, like a smell or a picture, or if we see somebody who kind of looks like that. I know when I look at Genesis, not to get all personal up here, but when I see Genesis, I see my grandma a lot, and it's hard sometimes because it makes me think of her, you know, and all the memories that we had, and it kind of triggers that, you know, whatever it is, whether it was five months ago or five years, and we need to be able to go and find a place of comfort when that happens, and that place of comfort can be different for everyone. Sometimes it's movies, sometimes it's books, sometimes it's video games, sometimes it's running, whatever it is, right, we find that peace, or even music. And the song, It Is Well, has been that go-to place of comfort for a lot of people for a long time now. And it's because of all the great reminders throughout the whole song, right? And if you look at the song as a whole, it's full of promise and peace, right? And it it says that suffering and grief will happen, but that Christ knows that and does something about that, that Christ dies for us, that we have life through Christ, and then it wraps up with reminding us that this is not our home, that we are just temporarily here. We're just visiting, that, that Christ is going to come back and take us to our forever home. So let's go back to Job and kind of finish up that story for us real quick, that Job finds his place of comfort again that he once had. And I'm going to read Job 42, 1 through 6 again for you guys. And it says, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of those things. I did not understand things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. And then the story goes on and And Job ends up praying for his friends, and and after that happens, Job is blessed double, right? He ends up having a ton of land, a ton of livestock. He gets, you know, all these things back. But through Job's repentance, he found that, that comfort, that place of comfort that he was looking for. And it's important for us to know that, that everybody's place of comfort is different, and it's even more important that we find that place of comfort, and we can find that through God. So what does all this mean for us? How can we achieve peace inside in our daily lives? I'll give you guys a little hint, okay? It's on the wall over here. 
It's one of our values. It's uh, spirit over self. And it's funny because Kyle read my teaching before this morning. And, you know, obviously clearly nervous to get up here, right? You know, it's, it's not easy. And God, Kyle goes, just spirit over self, man. And I go, oh, cool. Preacher joke, right? Right before I go up there. Thank you. <laughs> it's like you read my teaching. <laughs> uh, but it's spirit over self. And what we mean when we say spirit over self, it means that we put God's purposes and priorities ahead of our own as we daily depend on him where we live, work, and play. As we daily depend on him where we live, work, and play. That's what Horatio Spafford and his wife did when the grief happened. They, they daily depended on God. That's where Job was when it first happened. And then Job, unfortunately, had some stupid friends that, that made him think otherwise. But then he got back to that place of comfort where he daily depended on God. Amen. It takes a daily dependence on God. Saying, God, I can't handle this alone. And to be honest, God, I don't want to handle this alone. It's knowing that we need him and allowing him to take the pain of the loss away from us and to depend on him whenever we are reminded of that loss. Life will always be full of highs and lows, but if we lean on God's sovereignty and trust him, then even when life on the outside sucks, that we can say on the inside that it is well with our soul. Will you guys pray with me? God, we just thank you so much for the love that you have for us, for the, the infinite wisdom that we can't understand. Lord, I ask that you just please be with all of us right now as we, we learn to daily depend on you and where we live, work, and play, Lord, that we can trust that your wisdom is greater than ours, that we can step out of the way and let you battle any battles that we are facing. And God, we thank you so much in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Four Generations to Come, a podcast by Generations Church. If you want to know what's happening around the church, please visit mygenerations.church. There you'll see opportunities to connect through activity groups and events, as well as gatherings you can attend. We also want to hear your story, how God is working in your life. So jump on over there to our website and share your story. Share how God is at work in your life. And if you're going through a difficult time where you even have some praises, we would love to be able to pray with you and for you. There'll be a button there to do that as well. Have an incredible week.